0: Strengthen us. And Lord, if it pleases you, rebuke us. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We thank God for this Lord's day. And we thank God for our pastor friend who is visiting with his family. And What a message he brought this morning, and you will be blessed in the second service as we had been blessed in first service. We have been looking into Job chapter four, last Lord's Day we almost completed, and we touched the base, what practical applications we can get it from the book of Job chapter four. As we began last Lord's Day, I spoke about Eliphaz, the one of the counselors of Job's friend. You remember, Job had uh, three friends, and uh, one of them was Eliphaz, Bilad, and then Zophar. I pointed out last Lord's Day that uh, Bila, uh, Eliphaz was the first, and uh, uh, of one of one of the first from Timan city of Edom. He is appearing on the scene. And uh, he seems to be a theologian relying heavily upon the observation and experience. Eliphaz uses very harsh word, reasoning that only the wicked suffer. And uh, Job is suffering because of his sin. Eliphaz speaks in three long discourses, and that's what last Lord's Day we considered chapter 4, his discourse or his confrontation with Job. After seven days of keeping silent, now Eliphaz is the first probably in his age. That's why he is taking over. So Eliphaz uh, spoke to Job and he, uh, we saw that his affirmation that Job is a sinner. And it is our judgment and punishment. And then we saw that he affirmed that he, and then he proposed. And then we also saw his authority that he got a vision. And his vision was, and we know that he spoke about in chapter 4, verse 12 to 21. So what is the main idea in our observation? What do we learn from Job uh, chapter 4? Well, the, uh, the main review about Eliphaz attributes Job's affliction to his hidden sins. And he bases this on what he has heard and seen in Job's life. And what can we learn from this man? It's wonderful that you read chapter four and chapter five, because that is the discourse he gives to Job. Our friends have enormous influence in our lives. Our friends have an enormous influence in our lives, either for good or bad. That's why it's very important, whom do we associate? Whom do we associate? Our peers may be used by God, Or Satan. To build us up or tear us down. Solomon, King Solomon died. His son Rehoboam took over. Remember that was the United Kingdom. There was no southern kingdom, northern kingdom. Rehoboam took over. And the elders of the kingdom came to Rehoboam and told Rehoboam that king, now you have taken responsibility as a king. We urge you that your daddy has imposed on us more taxes than anybody else. Would you please lower the taxes? And if you listen to this, people will be supporting you. Second, first king chapter chapter 12, verse four, five. And Rehoboam said, Maybe you can come after three days. And Rehovam consulted his young peers. And you know the story. His young friends told that you tell the elders that my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. And then kingdom was divided. The kingdom was divided. What I'm saying is, that your friendship, your peer pressure, either build you up or tear you down. And that's what happened in the kingdom of Israel. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is one friend who's sticker closer than brother. One must choose his or her friends, Wisely, because in the day of adversity, they will either lift you up or pull you down. This is, we are learning from Eliphaz, the one who was the first counselor. A true friend will stand with you in the times of trouble and will be used by the Lord for your good. True friend. This is very important for our young college students. Because as they go back to the school or first time they're going to the school, whom are they going to associate with? It's very important to choose friend. It's very, very important. A true friend will stand with you in the times of trouble. A friend loves at all times and the brother is born for adversity. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 7. When in the furnace of affliction, the genuine friend will provide much relief and strength. At the same time, bad company corrupts good behavior. Bad company, first Corinthians the chapter 15 and verse 33. I have countless stories, friends, for a young boy and girl, when they go to the college, having wrong company, ruin their life. Never come out. They would never, never. Back in the previous churches, we had two young persons. Went to the college. One went to the Cornell University, and other went to Plattsburgh University in New York, Upstate New York. And their life never, cha- never remained the same. Father's only son lost in eternity in hell. Only son. And parents, only daughter. Enter into fraternity or whatever kind of group they are. Drugs on, uh, got, got in the drugs. Ruin her life. She cannot think properly now. She cannot think properly. Parents raised her with such expectation. Now nothing left. Nothing left. Bad company corrupts good behavior or character. May God surround our young people with a good friend who do not, like Eliphaz, will genuinely love us, help us in our times of adversity. How to be a good friend? How to be good? Eliphaz was one of the friends of Job. How can we be a good friend to someone who is hurting In chapter 4 of Job provides from negative example of Eliphaz, what a friend should not be. What a friend should not be. By looking at him, we can determine the very opposite of what we should be to others. Here are some characteristics the believer should demonstrate when being a friend to someone who is suffering. Well, I want you to jot down three words to be a good friend, how to become a good friend. Be sensitive, be sensitive, be sympathetic, and be supportive. These are three valuable characteristics one should have in order to be a good friend with other people who are hurting in the world. And there are so many, even friends, our neighbors, our colleagues. They are mentally, psychologically, physically, spiritually suffering. And if God has raised you for that hour, be sensitive, be sympathetic, and be supportive. What do I mean by that? Let's examine these three marvelous characteristics we all should have when we want to help other people. Be sensitive. Remember, Eliphaz was there for Job physically. Circle the word physically. Job, Eliphaz, was one of the friends. He was there for Job physically. Physically. And not emotionally. His heart and sympathy remained far away. His heart and sympathy remained far away. He was present to make theologically point rather than to comfort Job. Comfort Job. In order to be a friend to someone who is hurting, we must come alongside that that come alongside that person to comfort and console. Not to correct and chastise him. You get it? To comfort, come along with side. You know what I was thinking about? Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. You know his story that how he was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. When when Stephen was stoned, he was there to witness. God in his marvelous sovereign grace picked him up as he was on his way to Damascus. And he got marvelous experience which he talks about in Acts chapter 26, verse 19 to King Agrippa. Oh, King Agrippa, I have never disobeyed that heavenly vision, praise God. After he got converted on the way to Damascus, he wanted to get with the apostolic band. And you know the story. You know the story. How hard it was for Saul because his testimony was all over that he's the persecuting of the church. Whether he's a genuine or not, who knows? And the Holy Spirit never revealed to those apostles that here is a man who got saved. Well, he tried to get into. No response Thank God for Barnabas. You remember thank God for Barnabas. Barnabas stood along with Saul of Tarsus Paul later on. he stood with him and he said, "Hey this is real deal this is real deal and that Barnabas introduced Saul of Tarsus to the apostolic band and the history was changed. Barnabas is a man of comforter or encourager. We must come alongside someone in need, help and encourage to comfort. We need to be friends who will put a gentle arm around another rather than shake and accuse him, and pointing the finger on his face. If you want to be encouraged, if you want to be sensitive, if you want to be sensitive, you want to be good comforter, you want to be good encourager, stand with having heart to help him, not to tear him, encourage him, you know. Paul labored so much in the early church. Paul was writing a letter to Philippians. And, you know, when you read a letter of Philippians, it was written for by, from the jail. What did he write? He was in jail. And uh, what a marvelous story. I want you to turn with me 2 Peter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Second Timothy chapter two verse sixteen. What a testimony! Paul needed that. Second Timothy chapter two verse sixteen. Tim, will you please read loudly? Second Timothy chapter two verse sixteen. Second Peter? Oh, I'm sorry. I second no. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. Second Timothy. <laughs> Did I say it right, Second Timothy? Oh. He's writing about honesty for us. And I believe that is the word. I, okay, uh, let's, uh, second, uh, honesty for us, one of the men, is, is, Paul is writing that he looked for Paul because Paul needed him. And when he found him, Paul said, I rejoice because he searched for me and stood with me. What a testimony. What a testimony about uh, Onesiphorus that he stood with Paul. And oh, how much more we need in the, in the time When we are living in, whether we need someone to come along and stand with us. Be sensitive. And the church at Philippi, Paul writes that they only stood with Paul. Be sensitive to the need of other people. Then be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. We should feel the pain of others, not inflict more. We should... Feel the pain. How can, as a pastor, how can I minister to the need of my people unless I experience their pain in my own personal life? You know, I was reading about. Elijah, you know, you know that Elijah my favorite character. Next to Jesus, I'm going to shake my hand in heaven to Elijah. Elijah was a man when Baal worship was acclaimed and Jehovah was dethroned and Baal worship was enthroned in the northern kingdom. God raised Elijah for such a time. And he stood before Ahab and said, thus says the Lord. And then you know the story. Water was dried and the Lord asked Elijah to go to Zarephath. And he said, I have commanded a widow. Widow to take care of you. God's divine providence that as Elijah was getting into, the lady was, the widow was collecting the sticks for final meal. And the story goes beautifully, and you know the story that the oil never ran down and the flour never never, uh, ran out. The Lord provided. The point is, in the course of time, this widow's son died. Get the picture. When her son died, what did this woman widow say to Elijah? Why did you come? To confront my sin. You are confronting my sin. Well, give me your son. Get the picture. Give me your son. And Elijah prayed. Lord, bring that breath in back to his, this life. Elijah felt the pain of lost widow's son. And then what happened? The story ends so beautifully. And I want you to turn with me. 2nd King chapter 7. First King chapter 17, verse 24. Tim, this is the right. 1 King chapter 17, verse 24. 1 King 17, 24. 1 King 17 24. It's beautiful. Isn't it nice? I love the testimony of this widow. I know now that the word of God in your mouth is true. And you are the man of God. Why? Because Elijah experienced the pain of this woman. Oh, how we wish there would be countless testimony in the churches. Like this, that I know, pastor. You are a man of God, and the Word of God is in your mouth. is true. When a pastor feels the pain, when you feel the pain of the hurting people, they would listen to you. Be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. You know that story reminds us about Samaritan. Man, you remember Samaritan man. The man was robbed and then Bible tells us the priest looked at it and he left because he was busy. Levite looked at him and he was too busy and Samaritan come, he sympathize with this man. He canceled all his appointment. I said, this is priority. This is priority. The Lord is looking for such brand of Christian who can sympathize, have a time, sacrifice their comfort zone, and be there when people are hurting. Would you not believe that they would not listen to the gospel? Then you become the fifth gospel for them. They can read Christ in you. Eliphaz failed. Eliphaz failed miserably, miserably. He miserably failed to enter into his pain. His approach was intellectual. Be careful. Are we not called to bear one another's burden? Are we not called to bear one another's burden? Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. This means to get under a brother's burden with him and help him carry him. Carry him. Carry the weight of his hurt, Not just sit across the room and explain what went wrong in his life. Be sensitive. Be sympathetic. And then be supportive. Eliphaz absolutely failed. Eliphaz lost the sight of the original goal, which was to comfort Job. He spent his time trying to pin Job down rather than lift him up. (coughs) He tried to criticize and condemn Job. Job was a sinner and he deserves the judgment from God. So be sensitive, be sympathetic, be supportive. If you want to help other people, if you want to be a friend, be like this. And when you talk about Christ, they will listen to you. You know, we were missionaries among the tribal people back in India before we came to the States in 1978, 78, 79 the tribal people, half-naked people, never heard Jesus. Half-naked. When they come to our clinic, we would see the patients every day, 80 to 85, every day. They would carry their patients and come, and they will come. And I was like a radiologist and pharmacist and a nurse assistant and all these things. When the, when the tribal people come, I will put my arm on them and I said, would you like to come for a cup of tea? For them it is mind-boggling. They never sat on the chair in their life. And we would I would take them and Hasul will prepare the tea for them. You'd see the joy. When we talk about Jesus, you know, what would they say? We never heard about him, but we see Jesus in you. The world is hurting, looking, this brand of Christians. Your colleagues are hurting where you're working. Your neighbors are hurting. Be sensitive, be sympathetic. And when you talk about Christ, they will listen to you. They will listen to you. You know, do I seek godly counsel when suffering, affliction comes to me? Think about that. What is God teaching me as I suffer affliction? When offering offering counsel to someone, do I give counsel that is in the line with the scripture? Sometimes suffering is the big school God allows us to enter. You know, I was reading about uh, Charles Spurgeon, and this is what Charles Spurgeon wrote. Listen, this is so important. I bear my willing witness that I owe more to the fire and the hammer and the file than anything else in my Lord's workshop. I sometimes question whether I ever learn anything except through the rod. When my schoolroom is darkened, I see the most. Wonderful testimony. Suffering has a testimony where you can learn the experience. And you can learn through experience and draw, God, draw to God closer. But there are people who do not know God, and you can be example and and help them to understand whom you belong to. Well, that leads us to now chapter five. (coughs) Chapter five is wonderful. God is discipling you. Now, this is continued discourse by Eliphaz, by Eliphaz. Thomas Watson, the old Puritan, oh I love Thomas Watson. His two books are absolutely phenomenal. Thomas Watson writes, counterfeiting friendship is worse than counterfeiting money. Let me say it again. Counterfeiting friendship is worse than counterfeiting money. That is Thomas Watson. Now, in the way of introduction, an English publication once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. It's interesting, very interesting. Listen, very good. The best definition of a friend. Who is the, who, whom you call friend? Among the thousands answers received were the following. Number one, one, one answer was one who multiplies joys and divides grief. One wrote like this, who is the best friend? One who multiplies joys and divides griefs. Another wrote that one who understands our silence. Third person send, said a volume of sympathy bound in cloth. That is a good friend who has a volume of sympathy bound in cloth. Yet another read like this, a friend like always A watch, um, sorry, yet another read, A friend is like a watch, true for a time and never runs down. These were fine, but there was one definition, won the prize. And listen to this. The fifth man wrote this, A friend is the one who comes in when the world has gone out. A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world is gone out. Job certainly had three friends and his three companions were the ones who came in when the world went out. But that proved to be his problem, Job's problem. It was Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, who entered his life and actually pulled him down. Job's faith was going fine until they arrived. As, their terrible, as this terrible trio came in, they also brought with them their bad counsel. And wrong advice. Bad counsel and wrong advice. Job would have been better off without them. Eliphaz was the first to speak. And we saw in chapter 4. He pointed the finger. You are the problem. You are the sinner. And you deserve judgment. And what you are having is God punishing you. That was his counsel. That was his counsel. He continues in chapter five. <clears throat> Not only here Eliphaz speak, but another two times he gave the lecture. In chapter 15 and verse 22, God willing, if the Lord doesn't come, we'll continue on that subject in 2015 and 22. What Eliphaz said in confronting Job was correct. His emotional collapse, Job chapter three, and he did, he, he did not, no, uh, did not be addressed by his friends. But Eliphaz's challenge was misapplied to Job. It was even the dangerous to his spiritual health. Be careful when you be help other people. Eliphaz was a dangerous because he only spoke part of the truth. Half truth (laughs) is no truth. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. You know, that reminded me about Satan coming to Eve. And you know the story. You know the story that you shall never die. Half truth. You shall never die. I had one more word. You will recycle. You shall never die. It was a hard truth. And we know how spiritual bankruptcy declared by Adam and Eve. And sin entered, death entered. And praise God. The second Adam defeated power and fear of death through his death and resurrection. But he did not speak the whole truth. And knowing only part of the truth is dangerous. Part dangerous. Partial truth is dangerous. Further, what truth did he speak was spoken at the wrong time. Be careful. How you speak, when you speak, whom you speak you have to be very very sensitive and sympathetic try to experience his pain in order to speak sympathize and guide and advise eliphaz spoken the words at the wrong time a wrong spirit in job chapter 5 we hear the rest of the counsel eliphaz delivered to his hurting friend This reminds us how careful we must be to something others. Uh, how, How must we be careful in counseling others? What is discipling you? Main thought in chapter five, Eliphaz claims that God is chastening Job for his sin. And he urges Job to bring his case before God Believing that God will restore him once God has punished Job. You know, our God is in restoration business, definitely. We know that. That's a partial truth. God is in restoration. And you know, that reminds us, Peter, how miserable he failed. How miserable. He denied, he cursed, and still the Lord restored him back, restored him back. And he became the first preacher bringing masses of people in the church and the church was called in. Eliphaz claimed that God is chastening Job for his sin, urges him to bring his case before God, believing that God will restore him And our God is in a restoration business, my friend. Don't believe, don't you ever forget that. How many times God has restored me, restored you. Otherwise, the pastor reminded is not finished with us. You know that song, beautiful. I love it, that song. He's still working in me. Oh, I love that song. The man who composed the song, he had gone through so much. Four years, three years or four years, he was in uh, depression. And then he came out. And then he wrote this song. He's still working on me. In the mirror of his word, reflection I may see, make me wonder why he never gave up on me. Isn't it wonderful? He's still working on me. He's not finished with me. Hallelujah. He's still working. I will be finished product. And my eyes will close. And then absent from the body, presence with the Lord. And when he appears, I shall be like him and you shall be. That is the hope we live every day, every day. So Eliphaz, now he appealed to Job. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Eliphaz says, Job is suffering for his sin and should bring his case before God. Mr. Eliphaz, you do not know what went behind the curtain. Don't judge. Eliphaz says Job is suffering for his sin and should bring his case before God. Chapter 5 verse 1. Eliphaz's words became more direct and forthcoming. This counselor denied any possibility of intervention. In Job's asking to God, he says, Call if you will, but who will answer you? What kind of advice you give to a person who is hurting? If somebody lost the baby and he said, you know, because of your sin. And even if you call, God is not going to answer. That is what is happening here. That is what is happening here. Eliphaz says, even if you call, God will not answer you. In other words, Eliphaz was telling no one would be able to rescue. He says, to which of the holy ones will turn. Even you turn to the holy one, the angels will not listen to you. Oh, what a bad advice. Verse second: for wrath kills a fool. This is how Eliphaz interpreted Job's lament. Here is a man who lost everything. He needed the word of comfort. He needed someone to put his arm around and say, Job, I understand what you're going through. How best I can help you. Instead of that, he tells, you are suffering because of your sin. Beware of that kind of counsel you offer to someone. Beware of. A fool is the one who pays no attention to God. A fool is the one who pays no attention. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, the fool is the one who never believes in God. This is how Job had acted. Like a person without God. That what he says, and Every and we slay the simple. It is clear that Job was being re- referred here, according to Eliphaz, that all Job's emotional wailing would destroy him. Destroy him. Chapter 5, verse 3 4. I myself have seen a fool taking root. According to Eliphaz, Job was this foolish man who had been planted in the soil of prosperity and had been growing. But suddenly, his house was cursed. Now Job has suffered the loss of everything, proving himself to be a fool. According to Eliphaz, Job's unconfessed sin and Eliphaz believed that led his all children to die. What kind of advice? of advice. Your children crushed without a defender. This was the meritless indictment of Job who was being charged as a responsible party for the death of his children. He never knew. Eliphaz never knew about what had happened. He never knew how God was playing a big role. That's why when we began to study the book of Job, I I told that this is the book book of God, book of God, how God works in the life of the believer. All the time we are presented, God loves you, God is wonderful, he will be merciful. But God, other side of God, if he has chosen you as an object of his grace, he will allow you to go through anything and everything. And he is the one who is pulling everything, For his purpose, for his glory, and for our good. We will never understand. We don't have to understand. We have to believe because he is the sovereign God. He does everything according to the counsel of his own will. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. That's why we must know who our God is. That's why, you know, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, so beautiful, without faith it is impossible to please God, and whoever comes must believe God is. Underline God is. I just finished the Bible, and that was my theme, reading the Bible. Wherever God is, I wrote down in my diary. It's a marvelous study. God is. Not God was, or God will be, God is. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. He will never let you down. When you believe God is, that speaks volumes. You can trust His character, you can trust His word, you can trust His attributes because he was he is and he will be same no wonder david writes in psalm 34 verse 8 test and see the lord is test and see the lord is good he's good always good he's good malachi chapter 3 verse 10 that's why Prophet Malachi says, through Malachi, the Lord says, prove me now. I am that I am. I am that I am. Verse six, Eliphaz said, Eliphaz said, the hungry consume his harvest. The devastations of the barbarians was sin." In taking of his harvest that was once protected by God, this great personal loss suffered by Job was seen as occurring because of his unconfessed sin. Eliphaz remark, for hardship does not spring from the soil, nor does trouble sprout from the ground, believing everything happens for the reason. And we know that everything happens for the reason. For those who believe God. Everything happens for reason. And God orchestrated everything for our good and for his glory. Everything happens for reason. Eliphaz asserted this affliction did not appear from nowhere. They had been sown and cultivated by Job. According to Eliphaz, Job was reaping what he had sown. That is that is scriptural truth. What you sow, you shall reap, but not all the time. This is marvelous character. Job is great character. He did not know what was happening in Job's life. So, be sensitive, be sympathetic. If you want to be helping someone else, may the Holy Spirit of God use these words in the time when you are helping someone, so you can lift his burden. And encourage him. Try to experience his pain. So you can help him. And then they will know. The talk you're talking. The Lord you're speaking. We see in you. Christ in you. The hope of the glory. Let's pray. Lord we thank you so very much for your word. In chapter 5. It is for our encouragement and our inspiration and our instruction and even our rebuke. Forgive us, O God, when we have failed to be sensitive, sympathetic for others' need. Make us, O God, aware of what our friends and our neighbors are going through so we can be a living letter of Christ, those who are in need, so they can read Christ, the hope of glory in us and through us. May you be praised. Prepare us, Lord, for the worship service and glorify your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remember, next Lord's Day, 2 Peter.